Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Trenaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Since the peak of COVID, our podcasts have focused on what major changes we should expect for the U.S. and global economies. Developing useful expectations based on real-time data is quite challenging, to say the least. Precise timing of major change is pretty much impossible, but so far we've managed to put many puzzle parts together pretty well in advance, and here are some of the ones that I consider to be highlights. First of all, we were a leader in identifying inflation as a long-term threat. During a long period when the Federal Reserve and the media talking heads trumpeted inflation as only transient or a minor inconvenience. Our loyal listeners know this, and all of our podcasts are still available if anyone would like to go back and reference some of the earlier reasoning that we expressed. In any event, over the past year, virtually all the world's central banks moved to inflation-fighting mode, which was a major reversal of where they were just before then. They began to fight inflation with their only real tool, and that's a blunt instrument of raising interest rates in an attempt to dampen demand. Did their reversal in policies work? In a word, no. Why not? Because the inflation emerging during COVID was a result of more than a decade of interest rates that were close to zero and supply chain issues coming from COVID and international conflicts. And these were more focused on changes in the supply chain than consumer demands. Secondly, companies, governments, and families had more than a decade, actually closer to two decades, to refinance their short-term debts to long-term low interest rate loans, and many did that. Unfortunately, many debtors failed to take advantage of this long refinancing window. So now they're in deeper and deeper hot water as the Fed has increased interest rates almost five full percentage points in a year or so. And the long-term interest rates have doubled or in some cases tripled. But in the long-term case, that's due much more to inflation expectations as the Federal Reserve really controls the very short end of the yield curve, not really much of the long end. It's just too large of a market for them to control. Thirdly, reportedly, And recently, almost half of those who bought new homes and even those private equity funds that bought businesses with large amounts of debt are unable to stay current with their mortgage and other debt payments. We spent considerable time over the past year to warn our listeners about the upcoming debt crisis. Now it's clear, and I'll repeat the reasons why, because it's continuing. First of all, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Why does this matter now and why do I repeat this? Well, if you own a bond mutual fund, you have already seen the value of your investment drop by as much as 30 or 40% over the past year. Many of you, I'm sorry to say, know this by looking at your monthly brokerage statements. Additionally, and in a larger context, pension funds, 
as well as banks that tried to make their target investment returns bought long-term bonds and made long-term loans to try to earn that additional quarter or half a percent of return while ignoring or putting aside the basic relationship that I just mentioned. As interest rates go up, the price and the present value of long-term bonds and loans goes down. We've seen that time and time again. We've seen it recently with Silicon Valley Bank and other bankruptcies. These unfortunately, are no accident. Many banks and pension fund investment managers likely, in the past few years, or the past 10 years for sure, likely went all in to make a small additional investment return by putting aside risk management practices that were developed to counter marketplace interest rate increases. We've focused on these upcoming issues in many of our podcasts. We all know that COVID changed our workplaces as well as our meeting frameworks. But many don't think about the even greater threats to our financial systems. As we move through 2023, real estate will continue to gather our attention. Not only are commercial real estate vacancies gathering momentum, but they risk serious damage to our banks and even our non-bank financial sources. For example, Many banks, particularly regional and community banks, are facing threats to their existence as the bad debts on their real estate loans need to now be reported as they go through this year. And even the non-bank lenders like Blackstone are restricting or disallowing sales of shares in their large real estate funds due to their unrealized losses in real estate market values and the lack of liquidity they now have in their investments. The world's central banks face similar issues as they bought trillions of dollars of their own government's debts over the past 10 to 15 years with higher and higher interest rates threatening to negate even their equity or capital accounts. Almost on a daily basis, we see more threats to economic growth and stability. These are some of the important ones we warned of well in advance. Higher interest rates take more money out of the family budget, which in turn drops the consumer's ability to buy. The average car payment for recent car purchasers is about 50% higher than a year or so ago. A home mortgage of recent home buyers is 25 to 40% higher than a year or so ago. Additionally, oil prices, as we discussed months ago, are now trending higher. Oil prices are going up due to China's recovery and also OPEC's production cuts. And the two of these together actually have made about a two to four million barrel swing in supply demand in the world oil market. That's about 5% of the world oil market, which is about 100 million barrels a day. But China's recovery and OPEC's production cuts have put oil and gasoline prices and shipping fuel, bunker C fuel, back on a strong uptrend. As a result, we are seeing economic declines pretty much around the globe. For example, China's exports to the U.S. for the first five months of this year are down 25% from last year. Container ships are now flush with empty containers, with the cost of leasing shipping containers down to the lowest levels in many years. These lower exports and container costs are good news, aren't they? No. The drop in shipment of consumer goods is happening when prices overall are still heading up as consumers get more and more squeezed. Here are some important headlines to illustrate what I'm talking about just in the past few days. Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K, is one of the world's largest shipping companies. 
Here are a few quotes yesterday from their chief executive officers. Quote, Global shipping faces a long and deep contraction. In the just-ended second quarter, Maersk's revenue dropped 40%, while earnings, EBITDA, dropped 72%. End of quote. But additionally, it was pointed out a major threat is the increasing fuel costs for their fleet of ships. Shippers are directly impacted by the price of oil, while container demand continues downward. Can't be good. Overground shippers are experiencing similar impacts to a declining global economy. Just a few days ago in the U.S., Yellow Freight Lines, one of the largest freight transporters, announced their bankruptcy filing. Meanwhile, the U.S. government continues with out-of-control spending. It's breathtaking to consider that almost half of all of our government's debt of 30-plus trillion dollars comes due over the next two or so years. And that's also during a period where the government is actually adding another 2 to $3 trillion of new debt that must be financed. With energy prices starting a new uptrend, many banks are in line to record large bad debt losses this year and next year. With consumer spending heading down due to family cash crunches, we can expect a bit of a death spiral in stocks and bonds. So far, that hasn't happened, as government stimulus payments provided temporary additional cash and savings to many families. This additional cash and savings looks to completely exhaust itself during the next three or four months, as credit cards and educational loans continue to hit all-time highs. Overall, it's really past time to reduce stock and bond investments and stay put if you're a homeowner. Adding more debt at this time can tip many families over the edge, just as many small businesses are now on the edge. Small businesses face a double or triple whammy. Money for available new loans is drying up from just what I mentioned. And when the money is available, it's at really high borrowing costs. And thirdly, consumers have less and less money and credit to buy products and services. As also mentioned in prior podcasts, it's time to start planning for economic recoveries. So we can continue with the bad news and the evolving negative economic scenarios who are going to be with us for at least this year and next year. But let's start getting our minds set for an ultimate recovery. Recoveries also always follow recessions. I'm especially counting on the Federal Reserve changing their interest rate policies when they do see a severe recession, or even worse. Despite higher inflation, which will come with higher energy prices, and an El Nino winter, which promises a severe European winter, read that as more demand for energy. The return to money creation for the central banks is bound to happen starting in 2024. We'll expect easier access to money, but maybe not much lower interest rates. An economic part of the cycle will begin, and that will be time to invest in raw materials, in my opinion. And for the podcast SoundCloud page, as well as the UCLA Extension website page, I'm posting two links for the exchange-traded funds. One link provides approximately 20 of the exchange-traded funds that track basic materials, and the other link, which I give credit to Kiplinger, actually brings up other metals, even precious metals funds that would appear to be attractive as we go into the most dire part of the down cycle, preparing for ultimately a return to certainly some growth. 
In making this suggestion, we also consider that the raw materials sector has pretty much been ignored for the past 10 to 20 years. There seems to be a serious underinvestment by these companies in mining as well as in oil production. Ignoring this sector today, the long period of ignoring this sector has an advantage in that stocks have generally not been bid up to the excesses we see in the FANG or NVIDIA Microsoft high tech sector. Natural resources can also give us geographical and currency diversification. And as we mentioned in a prior podcast, assuming a brick currency ultimately challenges the dollar, many natural resource mines are not only in the Western-oriented countries like Canada and Australia, but they're in the brick countries. So you can develop a well-diversified portfolio based on your own risk tolerances, diversified based on industries, need for raw materials, on geographical diversification, and currency diversification. So with these thoughts, I wish you a calm next two weeks. And in the next podcast, we should have more information about the potential of a brick gold-backed currency, which over time will compete with the dollar. Stay safe, stay conservative, and try to avoid taking on new debt. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.